Welcome to episode 18 of The Story Studio with your hosts Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company, explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. But you know that because you clicked on the the logo and you downloaded the episode from the feed. So of course you know what you've downloaded. Hello, (laughs) my name's Luke, and I'm joined by... (laughs) Daniel Wilcox. Cool. Uh, Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing very well, Luke. How are you? You sound like you're halfway to being assimilated into the Borg, but uh, you sound you sound interesting. I've got to say. <laughs> well, I think I think a new mic is going to be on my on my Christmas list as well. But my internet's being a little bit of, yeah. a, of a shit today, so yeah. I don't I don't think your mic's the problem. I think it's just the internet connection, which can't really help. Yeah, despite turning it off and turning it on again multiple times. That's I'm an IT, I'm an IT engineer. That's ninety percent of my job, turning things off and on again. Yeah, yeah. You'd be, you'd be surprised how often it works. Yeah, do you not just whack stuff with spanners? That's how they do it in the shims, right? Uh, it's a little bit more uh, uh, intricate than that, Dan. Uh, we use screwdrivers instead of spanners. Oh, okay, Phillips or uh, or crossheads. Uh, occasionally Phillips, but a lot of the screwdrivers are specific drivers. Wait, flatheads, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of them are like uh, specialist, like torque drivers, they're called, and they're like five heads or six heads. It depends what what you what you're opening up. But yeah, that's super interesting for people who want to tell stories. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the ultimate opener for, <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we 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 use a number of uh, different screwdrivers in the IT support industry. We use five heads. <laughs> yeah, I just I just list them. Here's an extract from Luke Condor's latest book, IT yeah. and the tools we use to fix it. Are you um Are you okay? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. How's How's your writing going? I feel like I'm going to jump in and get to you first. Okay. Um, I'm just been doing more of the same, but I'm on about sixty-seven k. And we will go into this in more detail today because today's episode is all about Project Dan and uh, and what it is and where we're at and and all that lovely jubbly stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I yes, uh, I saw some magic. Yeah, like, oh, go, on. go on. I was going to say we can't do our our regular. Here's where we're at because it's kind of incorporated into the episode. That is the episode. Yeah, exactly. That is the episode. It's going to be a short one, folks. Could be a short one. I um I made some magic yesterday. Uh, this is a bit of an intro banter bit here. <laughs> I um <laughs> okay. So Does it count as banter if you already call it banter. Yes, yeah, it's 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 passable. I uh, so Kat was um making some dinner. She's been like practicing the old cooking. She's been getting really good, and she was uh slaving away on some like chicken and um. Made like a chicken katsu curry thing. It's really, really good. And I was like, I need to, I need to do something here. So, have you ever, do you know, evaporated? Uh, no, condensed milk is sorry, sweet condensed milk. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So I didn't know, you may know this. People out there may know that this is a thing, but I had no idea this would work. If you just get a big pan of boiling water, put some condensed milk into it, like just still in the tin, just drop the tin in, um, leave it for three hours, and then open it up, it's caramel that comes out of the tin. Like, it's just really lovely tasting caramel. And what? I was, <laughs> when was that a thing? I don't know. I, I, apparently, people do it already, but I, I, I didn't even think this was, this was like magic. Um, honestly, it tastes. Water and condensed milk. Well, don't, don't put any water in the condensed milk. Just put the condensed milk tin, the, like all the condensed, in, still inside the tin, in the boiling water, leave it for three hours. Hey, presto, you've got a beautiful caramel dessert but okay it's weird okay. It, it comes out brown it looks a bit weird but then when you taste it it's it's, it's good do you remember those uh like roller yogurts did you have a roller yogurt before oh they're amazing you know the caramelly bit inside of it so it's like that it's exactly like that because my dream as a child and <laughs> you know just kind of as we're on the subject of telling stories my dream as a child was to just buy as many Rolo yogurts as it took, yeah. eat the chocolate, and then just put the caramel into like a massive bowl. <laughs> well, you don't need to anymore. That's that's I, the thing. I just need to buy a tub of condensed milk and simmer it for three hours. <laughs> Honestly, it tastes exactly the same. I'm sure that's just what it is. That's crazy. Right. Okay, I'm going to test that. <laughs> that's blowing my freaking mind. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I was yeah. a bit worried that it wasn't... I was a bit worried that someone had like pranked me and just said, and it was going to explode in the pan. But you got to have a lot of faith in that process. That's three hours. That's not. That's not. I'll just put it in the microwave for ten seconds. That's that's watch it for three hours. Oh, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't watch it for three hours. I just put it in the pan and sort of let it. You left it. it. <laughs> I, kept, I stirred it occasionally. You live on the edge, Luke. Jeez. <laughs> it did look like it was going to three hours. It did look like it was going to explode. And this wouldn't be the first uh, tin uh, <laughs> tin good that's exploded on me. Uh, <laughs> Do you tell? Uh, so a download festival. I don't. You're probably aware of download festival. It's a music festival mm-hmm. where lots of people go and enjoy bands and get drunk. Uh, and you take like tin food to eat. And the, so the Monday morning when everyone was leaving, we had a big fire just to burn stuff to get, to get rid of. Someone threw a, a tin of beans on there, like a, it was still sealed, and it <laughs> it popped and like it was like a rocket. But like instead of the flames and stuff coming out, it was beat like bean juice and beans. <laughs> and the tin hit me straight in the neck. Oh. It it didn't hurt. Yeah. It didn't no, it didn't hurt. But it did leave like a red tomato juice around my neck. And um people were worried. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be the next advert for Heinz. <laughs> yeah. It's somewhere uh, in slow motion just getting smacked in the neck. It's a it's an adventurous way of cooking. It's if you if I had my mouth open, it would have been some nice Hey, mm. presto, breakfast. But... See, you're a lot braver with cooking than I am. My cooking tends to revolve around just food that I can oven and then sprinkle cheese on. Pizza? So kind of... Do you mean pizza? I mean anything. <laughs> I mean garlic bread. I mean Kiev's. I mean yeah. fish fingers. Just as long as it's got cheese on, that's cooking. I honestly think cheese makes everything better. Yes. Yeah, it does. Even like cream cheese on dessert, it, it just makes it good. It's... uh you don't look sure. <laughs> I was just thinking, would it work on condensed milk that has been boiled for three hours? Yeah, I think if you did that, put some cream cheese on the top, it would make a and maybe some digestive biscuit stuff. It would pretty make make a cheesecake. 
like Holy a caramel crap. cheesecake. Should we just start? Can this be the pilot episode of our cooking podcast? The cooking studio. Welcome to the cooking studio, a podcast for an independent, <laughs> uh... independent publishing company discusses recipes. <laughs> um, okay, should we should we get onto the the, the meat of the? Uh, yeah. Should we get yeah, onto yeah. the main course of the of the evening? Uh, should we have our palate cleanser first with our big whoops? Yes, please. That sounds, that sounds tasty. Did you? Did I I added a H in there as well. Oh wait, there is a H in whoops. Ignore me. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have a big whoop? Oh, what, what a big, big whoop! Yes, uh, sort of. I have a guilty one because it's the No Sleep Podcast, and I've only li- I've not even listened to a full episode, but because I only found it today. I mean, I'd, I'd seen the logo because I routinely check the, the charts to see how our podcast, the other stories, is doing. And I always see the No Sleep podcast, and I think it's quite a cool, cool little logo there, and I want to want to check it out. Hmm. So I did today. It's a fortnight, fortnightly short story podcast. It's sort of like crowdsourced storytelling because they don't have writers. They It's like a subreddit uh, called the No Sleep subreddit or something, and people like put like campfire stories on there. And then this guy, David Cummings, has rolled it and produced it and, and uh, curated those stories into a very, 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 very popular podcast. And I was just amazed. I was just so impressed by the website, the design, all like the commissioned illustration, um, the merchandise. And I was like, this, this is, this is what the other stories is, is going to be. This is what like the next level. It's like because I, I feel like the other stories is, is amazing. And we just hit two, two, like quarter of a million downloads. And I was like, what's the next level? And I think this is it. Yeah, yeah. I had um, a look on the website as well. I, I was incredibly impressed. I definitely think that. Um, it's a fantastic way of telling stories, really, isn't it? If you get, actually get the people involved. I mean, Reddit's obviously massively popular for content, for people having their voice heard. So it's a good way of utilizing that and getting getting an audience by actually getting the audience to write in for you. And it's quite nice to see communities like that formed. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that 2017 will bring to the other stories. Definitely we want to uh, tap into that sense of community and tap into the people that listen and really make it more so that it's not just a wall between the podcast and the people that listen, but we really want to reach out there and sort of start giving stuff back to, to the people that have been fantastic to us this year. Yeah. I'm super excited for 2017. I've still got a fair bit of work to do for this year, but I'm just so excited by this year has been crazy in terms of how much growth has happened. Like I think as, as me as a writer, but also as, as, as like a, as, as publishers, and uh, producers of work and the other stories i think is is our best thing like i was listening to like yeah i was listening through like some of the old episodes today and i was like this is a really good show like (laughs) if i even if i didn't make it i think i'd listen to it yeah i think it comes back to i think in one of the earlier um episodes of of the story studio i think we spoke a little bit about it was to john wasn't it about how you kind of your expectations adjust to the things that you've managed yeah. So over time, we're getting more and more used to the fact that Carl Hughes, the editor of the podcast, is a fucking wizard with yeah. <laughs> with sound and just makes everything awesome. And we we just, I I find he'll send stuff back that will go live for the following Monday and just be just kind of pass it on and half listen to it. And I'll be listening to it on the way to work, going, "Oh, this is pretty good." Yeah. But like you say, if you actually stop and sort of listen to the quality that is coming out of everyone, it's it's yeah really nice to. 
to see. Yeah, it's um, it's exciting. I um, I just I just want to see. I I want to peek into December two thousand seventeen and just see what has changed or how it's grown. Because I mean, we're already making like some some changes. We're changing podcast hosts. Um, there is going to be sort of adverts. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but it does mean that there'll be some sort of income, so we can start paying people, which I'm quite excited to do. Not massive amount of money, but yeah no it's it's as much as it's a lot of what we do is for the audience it is nice to pay and to actually give something back as well to the people that are helping us because i think we don't we, we say it a lot but i still don't think we say enough that we're thankful for the narrators carl the editor tom music every everyone that's sort of um I guess donated music in some way that that we find and put on the podcast. That mm. they're all doing it for free, and obviously we're doing it for free as well. It's all just a massive passion project. But if you know a couple of those dominoes fall, then it's going to be a real struggle to to yeah. produce it. I'd be interested in getting David Cummings on this show to talk about how he's. Cause he, I mean, they started that in two thousand eleven. So what's that? Nearly six Five years. years. Yeah, six years five going on six years that's a long time i'd be interested yeah. to see what he's done to grow his podcast as much as he has because it's definitely one of the one of the up there podcasts in terms of audience size mm. or it appears to be anyway yeah 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 for sure i'll be it'd be cool to get him on yeah, send him yeah. a message see what see what Boy. he says yeah. yeah cool man what about you uh, my big groups, I think uh, I, I'm i torn between two, so I might just throw both of them out there and just do them quickly. But uh, one of them is uh, I saw Jimmy Carr live last night. Did you? Yes. For, I saw he's... him live on Netflix the other night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like Jimmy Carr. It's cool. Oh, I will yeah, see yeah. him live on Saturday, actually, because we're going to go watch the 8 out of 10 Cats does countdown filming. Really? Yeah, they do it ne- next fun next door to where i work so we got some tickets nice whoever came up with that idea was a genius because yeah, that yeah. show works so well but um i've never seen yeah. it <laughs> have you not no, no oh my yeah yeah you need to watch it it's just the idea of those two things coming together seems like it shouldn't work but it just so does um but no i saw i saw jimmy carr 2000 and i want to say eight when i was at college i saw him in peterborough and so he was coming by Lincoln and I thought, why the hell not? He's fantastic. I, I enjoyed seeing him live uh, previously and yeah, blew us, blew us away as usual. And it was quite, um, I was quite lucky because he came to or nearby somewhere I work and managed to get priority tickets. So I managed to get a second row from the front, which was pretty cool. At one point I shouted, he spoke back to me. It was this, cool. Oh, this is the, the moment he normally does in the shows where he says, is there anyone want to heckle? Is, yeah, is, that, yeah. is that that point? Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, did he I, did he did he bat, battle you down? Well, no. He actually asked the audience uh, what you're supposed to do when a bear attacks you. So I just shouted, "Be big!" Yeah. Because that's but yeah. No, there were quite a few drunken people that were shouting out, and he's great just with hecklers in general and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's one of my big groups. And then the other one is uh, I recently got the new Pokemon game. Pokemon Which, Sun or Pokemon? Yeah, I got Moon. Are you going to get Sun as well? Uh, tempted. We'll see because I've got a friend <laughs> who's got the other one, so we can always trade and, and yeah. be cool kids. 
Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I make no secret of the fact I'm a big Pokemon fan and just, I've not finished the main storyline yet, but it's definitely a refreshing change to the traditional storyline. There's a lot of sort of big changes that I think are a bit overdue that make this story a lot fresher and a bit more nice. Is this um, like more of a reboot? Like, because Cat was telling me to change some of the original 150 to... Yeah, there are... So the new islands uh, are called Alola. And in this version, there are a select few from the original 150 that have regional uh, variations. Right. So they're kind of... It's almost um, evolutionary that they've adapted to the island and the environment that they're on. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. There are some that look awesome and some that look just fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm 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 enjoying it. It's kind of um, just having I had a bit of a binge last week and just played a lot of that. So I, I really want to get um, a console because I haven't had a console in years. But I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to end up doing that instead of doing productive things like writing and stuff that I should be doing. Yeah, um, that's that's what I did last week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really want to play Uncharted because you've gone on about it so much. And it, yeah. Last of Us because you've gone on about it. It's pretty much all the games <laughs> that you've like, recommended. I'm like, I really should play that at some point. Yeah, yeah. especially the ones that are story-based, I think. I think that's where the only two games I'll ever really go out of my way to play are games for nostalgia or games yeah. for story. Yes. So things like... Um, the Uncharted, they, they're Naughty Dogs, just fantastic at creating gripping stories. Um, things like the new Crash Bandicoot, which is the reboot of the original trilogy, is coming out next year. Yeah. So I want to play that. Things like Pokemon Nostalgia, I've been playing for years. Um, but it's it's hardly ever about gameplay for me. It's always about whether or not it's you want to keep on playing. The only game I've been playing recently, um, yeah. So I have I have three tiers of games I like to play. Um, one the nostalgia ones. I play Mega Bummer Man, but I play it like it's an old like a browser emulator. Yeah, and yeah. I used to have that on my Mega Drive, and I used to play it over and over and over again. So it's nice to just zone out and uh, and sort of play that. But I love small, two hour long indie story based games. The ones where you don't have to like give up too much time. It's like like you sit down for two hours and you sort of just play and get get the story out, which is great. Yeah. It's a lot of those sort of games, and I love those sort of games like Uncharted and. Um, I would, I would, have you ever played Bioshock Infinite? Uh, I have it, but I haven't finished it. The ending of that is one of my favourite endings to any game. Yeah? Yeah, it's amazing. Have you played, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Something Swan. The White Swan? I, I can't remember. Um, oh, it's going to bug me. I'll see if I can Google it. Keep talking. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so games are cool. I'd love to. Um, I'd love the to unfinished do... swan. There we go. The unfinished swan. What's that? Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of indie games, but right. it's basically you've almost got a paint gun, and you're just on a white canvas. It's all three D. It's all sort of movable environment, but nothing shows up until you've shot this ball of paint in that direction. It's hit something. Yeah. But the further through the game you get, you sort of unveil palaces and that, and you're basically following. It's almost like an abstract kid story yeah. where you follow this one and you have to find it, but it's all sort of representative of dreams and stuff. It's just a beautiful game. That's cool. Have you ever played Limbo? No. Okay. Um, I'd definitely recommend Limbo. There's another game by that developer I really want to play, but um, enough about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
what's happening, Project Dan? What? So it was uh, late July. We were like, well, let's say it was more like June, where you sent me a, like a, a document, and you were like, "Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna write two novels at the same time." And it's now like four months, wait, nearly six months later. Wait, is that right? Five. Okay, we started writing. We started doing your actual work the, the last week of July. 24th of July. Yeah, so it's nearly five months, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, is that, is that how maths work? <laughs> oh, okay. my, oh my God, that's... Okay, yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> but we're like, right now, we're like, I, I would say 80% of the way there, maybe even probably further than that, actually. Um, so it's going to be about six months for two novels. That's pretty good going, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think... Well, the whole point of originally teaming up was to try and up the production of, you know, novels that have our names on. And I know that one of the things that is massively intimidating to people that are starting to write, or I know at least when I was looking at writing a novel is, well, there are two elements to it. The first one is the time that it takes to write a novel. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I listened to, well, we kind of listened to Joanna Penn's. Uh, the Creative when- Pen. The webinar, the webinar that she ran on Sunday, which sort of talks about the seven steps to writing a novel. And she kind of goes through the process of how you could write your first draft in a year, which, you know, for some people that's awesome because that's something that they hadn't put times on. Maybe it's yeah. a bit more achievable for that year, but at the same time, it's a, it's a year long, which isn't a short amount of time. Um, so to write with someone else and to have that sort of speediness to it, and have each other check each other's work to speed up the process is one huge benefit we thought originally. And the second one is obviously the, well, for me anyway, the loneliness aspect. Yeah. So anytime I've written sort of an individual project, you've constantly got to have yourself on your side in order to make sure that you're still going forward, you're still pushing, you're still writing what you want to be doing and that, you know, you've been disciplined enough to get things out quicker. Yeah, but obviously with this project, it just meant that we can hold ourselves accountable to each other, and we can give each other sort of deadlines, deadlines that we yeah. agree on. But it just it definitely gives that push. I remember um, just in that first draft, coming up to uh, realizing it was two weeks until the deadline, and just going shit, I need to up my up my pace a bit. Yeah, is yeah. Uh, so so the, the loneliness thing is like massive because writing a novel is. It's incredibly lonely and kind of like it's difficult to keep yourself excited, especially for a year. I don't think I could do it in a year because I think it's too slow to get that momentum going. Mm. Because the first draft, I do feel like you should need to blast it out as quickly as possible. Like, because yeah. it feels like, <laughs> like doubt like is always trying to catch up with you. <laughs> and you really do have to outrun it in that first draft because if you suddenly start doubting yourself, like and you're forty thousand words in, it just slows <laughs> you down. Like it just creeps up on you, slows you down, and then eventually you just realise, oh, this is really bad. Like, <laughs> and then you sort of end, it ends up in that sort of folder of lost novels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of the it's just writing is hard in general, but to have someone that not only understands your process as a writer, hmm. but is actually in the process with you and goes understands what the story you're trying to tell and what you're trying to achieve and yeah. actually someone to bounce ideas back off because i mean 
my partner, I've been with her for four years or so, still hasn't read any of my works at all. Yeah. <laughs> Just nothing. So every time I try and talk to her about a story I'm doing, I'm like, Oh, I'm a bit. I'm struggling a bit because I'm thinking, oh, what about this or what about this? And she's just yeah. sitting there, just going, I don't, I don't, like, I can't help you because, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, should we probably explain a little bit the original process, how it looks, yeah. and then maybe even just what the ideas are and where they kind of sprung from? Because the yeah. whole idea, not only sort of to conquer those big hurdles, was also to try and write something that was written to market or as close to market as we can kind of yeah. create. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we started by, we started like a Google doc that we both shared. And then we, we just kept putting ideas down. I think maybe for like a two or three weeks. I can't remember how long because we were doing other, other stuff at the time. And then we were like, just basically putting like tweet length pictures, story pictures to each other. Mm. And I think maybe we had about 10 by the end of the three weeks. And we were also at the same time looking at what was, um, doing well on amazon and like what the stories were what the cover was like um so we could sort of not not steal and copy but like just get a a feel for sort of what was what kind of thing would work well and then what was it um we took a week then to pitch how did what was the next step i can't remember so we spoke uh on I think it was over the phone um, and just kind of batted the ideas around. I think we we each kind of took um, a genre that we're more comfortable writing in for to sort yeah. of take the, the lead on one story. Um, but then we sort of bounced around the ideas that we had in order to sort of look at any weaknesses, look at anything that kind of spoke to us a bit more. So, um, for example, I think I remember quite clearly that I was torn between two ideas for uh, what has since become Lazarus. Um, and one of them was Lazarus, which is the story of, uh, at this point, it was as simple as um, a boy is at in Virginia when a chemical bomb goes off that sets people feral. That was kind of it. Yeah. And then the second story, um, anyone listening, feel free to steal this if you wish, uh, was a deep sea diver kind of gets taken to an undersea almost like bubble of, of land and realm in which he meets his mysterious sort of tribe and people on the surface have to come and find him. Sounds really cool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might get to it one day, but, and then yours, you, you were pretty, I yeah, think you got think excited about your point, idea pretty quickly. Yeah. By that point I was already like, Oh, and then this will happen. And then this will happen. That's changed mm-hmm. quite a lot since then. But, um, I think the is yeah it's called they remain i even had like a cover mock-up which was like a stolen poster from um uh, the thing so I, I sort of had a good idea of what why i sort of was really excited to write but then we didn't write we swapped yeah so at that point we swapped we, we 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 gave each other the basic idea of what we wanted to do and then we swapped and then the other person was going to come up with the basic beats of the story and the characters and that stuff uh that was we did that for a week right I think it was about a week, yeah. 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 And that was, uh, yeah, just outlining. Um, so I then took all of the sort of um, ideas that you gave me, Yeah. tried to make them as linear as possible in my head, create a story that we could work with, that we could write, characters that would sort of uh, weave between the storyline and we can throw in there. Yeah. Um, and just really start almost just coloring it in a bit, just adding a bit of shade into to the to the lines. 
Um, and yeah, that was about a week or so. So I kind of, my, my process, I started a lot with the imagery, started a lot with the locations that would probably be used. Yeah. Um, and then took a couple of the key characters that, I, that you wanted to have in there straight away and kind of started thinking about them and then began to weave the storyline out. Like, I think the beats was actually one of the last things I really fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that's probably my favourite part of the novel writing process. Yeah. It's because it's at that point where you, you go, let's go crazy. <laughs> let's, like, just what if... And, like, I, I, I do a lot of free writing at that point, so I'd just be like, okay, I was going to write ten ideas of what could happen in the story. This guy could turn into something here. This, And I think from that uh, process, I probably don't want to talk about the, this story element too much, but it's quite a big story element now, the... The mm. thing that happens, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah, I think the actual beats process. I think maybe I found a couple of like bigger story elements that I thought would definitely need to go in there. Oh no, also um, I took a map and sort of plotted out the course of where they would go, and then yeah. I sort of built a story around there, like beats anyway, like a basic story structure. Yeah, that was the one thing I think I was missing. Was an actual physical map because I yeah if I if, well moving forward into future books I'm definitely going to use a map but actually I know the people on the podcast won't be able to see this but this is what I've been working on for my my next work. Oh, so you that's, did actually uh, print one out and yeah, so that's a uh, Barrow, Alaska. One slightly more zoomed uh, in than the other. It's not as white and snowy as I thought it would be. No, not in real life but in my book it will be <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i know i thought i thought it'd be white too but mm. um so yeah and then kind of came up with all those ideas wrapped up the package kind of nodded to each other and went yeah and then handed it back over for digestion yeah and then any final questions yeah and then um and then we just have at it we uh yeah. just started writing mm. So, uh, if you were going to do it differently this time, uh, next time, or whatever, what would you what would you do differently? Um, before the first draft, just in the planning process. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably. I think so. What we ended up finding, uh, just in that first draft, was that the story that we wanted to tell was far too big. Yeah. Yeah. For well, for one, our writing style, and two, kind of where we wanted it to go. So I think what I would probably do is look at the beats, and I think now, based on sort of the experience I've got, have a bit more of a realistic. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Understanding of how each scene might play out. Yeah. Uh, how... Uh, yeah, just in terms of length and the stuff that we can fit in, because really, we've that first draft was about a third of the story we'd actually written. Yeah, so like the the halfway point in the original beats for Lazarus is now the big ending point, and it feels like that. It feels like it was supposed to be that. Um, yeah, I think I'd take more time, maybe not take more time with the beats beating process and the planning out process, but I think. I just like to go in a bit more detail and like um, try and solve more problems. Um, you know, play devil's advocate a bit more and say, "Have you thought about this? That this won't work," and try and fix more problems before starting the first draft. Yeah, I definitely think that in writing the first draft of Lazarus, um, I so we're, we're we're saying spoilers and stuff, aren't we? Yeah. Well, okay. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we can talk about the dead space a little. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's a concept in there called the dead space. I won't go massively into it. But um, as I was writing the dead space environment, I realized that I hadn't a clue what it was. Yeah, in the planning, (laughs) we didn't really go into... I don't think we really sussed it out in the planning much. We we just said it existed, but yeah, yeah, I I think we almost spoke about it as the abstract concept that it was. Yeah. But not sort of... The physicality of what it would feel like, what you know, people would be like in the dead space, and how everything would look. So, yeah, that was one of the difficult things. And I found that as I was writing that first draft, I kind of put in the places where it was to appear, but definitely felt that that was a hollow shell that would need some kind of filling in. And yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I take away from writing that first draft is. If you do feel like you're struggling or get stuck, just write past it best you can and fix it later. Yeah, definitely. I think it's worse to stop and then like try and figure it out there and then because then you're going to lose your momentum. Doubt's mm. going to catch up <laughs> and it's going to get you. Um, it's <laughs> doubt. It's going to have its way with you. <laughs> um, it's going to shake its fist in you. <laughs> but yeah, I think a bit more... I think I'd be a bit less lax with the logic of the plot. And also mm. I think I'd spend a little bit more time because I think in when I handed you the beats for Lazarus, I don't think I'd quite thought about um, character progression in terms mm. of 
um, the you know the darkest night of the soul moment, and when when the character would uh, you know take the lead and become the hero of the story, and, and all that kind of like stuff that really needs to go into story planning. I think I yeah. just sort of um, felt my way through the process a bit more, but and I think in your first draft you had to put some of that stuff in that I'd left out. Mm. But yeah, so I'd spend more time doing that, more time getting it uh, right on that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, because um, it wasn't until I think just before I got um, your first draft of They Remain and started editing that, that I actually listened to a few more um, storytelling podcasts and kind of reading a bit more around what audience expect from commercial fiction. Yeah. Um, and like you say, the, the Darkest Night of the Soul, is that the word you use for it? Yeah, so I mean, that if that's the moment I think of is when the shit hits the fan and uh everything's gone wrong it's mm. it's i'm trying to think of an example in a film or something um it's the i can't carry it for you but i can carry you moment what's that from lord of the rings uh yeah potentially also force awakens i'm pretty sure there's a bit where kylo ren but there's they're stuck on the the star killer base kylo ren's just um slashed up joe uh whatever his name is and uh, Ray is like, you know, down and out pretty much. And then that, yeah. that's the darkest night of the soul moment. But yeah. it doesn't look like there's any way they're going to come out on top. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I think every story sort of needs to have that. Yeah. And I think from listening to those, there was definitely, um, and it's one of the things I am taking forward into the books I'm currently planning, is using those points as almost the starting points to develop my beats. Yeah. So you're beginning how you introduce people or your, your hook or your inciting incident. Um and then kind of just working along the zigzags until you build up to that moment yeah. where the shit hits a fan and then nice conclusion. Funnily enough, I do kind of feel like you naturally fall into those um, story beats. When I wrote uh, The Hipster, the first book, I didn't really plan it out. I just sort of, well, I wrote like 10,000 words and then, and then sort of figured this could happen next, it could happen next. And like, it sort of fell into that process. Mm. Like there is a Darkest Night of Soul moment and there is a big sort of climactic boss battle. And I think although we are like taking our time um, to hit those points and more so in the future, I think you can be like relaxed a little bit and, you know, you, you will naturally find those rhythms. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't think I've ever written or seen anything where it's, it doesn't naturally lead up to a crescendo anyway, because yeah, Kind of, I think when you're writing a story, or in a lot of cases, I won't say all, but you you have that idea straight in your head. Yeah, yeah. So when I wrote Sins of Smoke, it was all for me. The whole reason I wrote that was to have that dark um, kind of final battle moment, that really heart-racing kind of monstrous bit that happens before it all evened out. Yeah. Um, because that's the, that's the stuff that I'm kind of hungry for. That's, that's the big bit of a story. That's what you're reaching towards. And it kind yeah. of works out nicely that that's about you know, towards the end, <laughs> as opposed yeah. to this is awesome, and then just uh, mellow out for three hours. And then just after that bit, there's uh, in one of Chuck Wendig's um, writing advice books, he said there should be a point in every story where you can't help as you're reading, but like pump your fist. Like there's a, there's got to be like a oh yeah, fucking right. And it's true. Like um, when you think of like that moment after the Darkest Night of Soul, where the hero suddenly makes takes a stand. Um, they, they oh, grow. you're going to love draft two if they remain. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But like, there has to be that element. And I mean, this, this, maybe not so much in literary fiction and stuff. You can do anything in that, really. Um, but if you don't have that moment, it's kind of fizzles out into nothing. Like mm. I think of Firewatch, the game. Um, have you played Firewatch? I it's, haven't. It's one of those two-hour indie sort of titles. Mm. Uh, so it, it all the way through, it leads you to think that there's some great mystery and then, and then something bad's going to happen to you. And there is a almost a Dark Knight, Dark Knight of Soul moment. But then nothing happens. It just sort of fizzles out. And the, the main character, the protagonist, didn't make any significant change to to win the the, the game, to win the story. And yeah. I feel like that's a good example of if they were aiming for literary sort of fiction in the sense of um, or like more of a drama, so not not to hit these commercial beats they they succeeded but it wasn't advertised as that it was advertised as a mystery thriller sort of thing which it wasn't in the end mm. but yeah you will miss those points if you don't if you don't hear them yeah and your audience will feel it as well i think there's i mean even i'll, I'll go as far to say um and as always it will come back to black mirror but in uh, the shut up and dance episode of black mirror for me that ending as kind of shocking as it was was really mm. unsatisfying yeah black mirror doesn't really um uh so those sort of stories they're not really novel like stories are they they're more yeah, like yeah, short yeah. stories so they introduce a concept to, mm. and then pull the rug they're more like jokes so the joke you introduce the concept um you re- like refine the concept and paint the, the image in the mind and then you pull the rug in, yeah, the, yeah. in the final bit that, that's what the black mirror is it very it's very much a joke structure yeah. Uh, but it's not. There's no growth. There's no personal growth. I think maybe a couple of those episodes are that way. But I don't really think of two. The, the others are more uh, pull the rug stories. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just coming out of that, it's. I mean, I don't know. I just felt a bit. I loved the episode as as we always say, and I loved the acting. It was all incredible. It was just that end moment. I was like, I didn't have that that wholesome roundup that was it, yeah. it just, you know, cause it based itself on life. It's the black mirror to society. Um, but whereas you're finding as much just in storytelling in general, as much as you want new, as much as you want something original, you will always know what's going to happen because as you're reading it, yeah. the expected will occur. The hero will triumph the, you know, good will conquer bad. It will all round up wonderfully. Yeah. And that that's what you want. Otherwise, you are disappointed. And you know what? People are probably thinking of, like, Game of Thrones and stuff, and they're saying, well, Ned Stark got his head cut off. But if you think of like, the entire arc of mm. Game of Thrones, it's definitely coming around. Like, the Dark... Uh, I don't know when the Dark's Not a Soul story bit would be. Maybe that's when... What's her name? Blew up that castle for the people. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know, Jon Snow and uh, Dragon Lady yeah. are gonna come together and they're gonna be triumphant in the end. So it is gonna take that that standard story structure. It's just over a much longer extended period of time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so we did the first drafts, which took five weeks, I imagine, something like that. About. Yeah, about five, six weeks. Um, we did nano, sort of, not not in November, but we did like 50,000 words in under a month, I'm sure of that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and then once we'd finished uh, the first draft, we 
it was as simple as handing it back over. So I then took, uh, they remain, you took Lazarus. Um, and this comes back a little bit to what we were saying at the beginning in that once, <clears throat> once you're finished with a draft of a story, what people generally tend to give as advice to new writers is put it in a drawer for a couple of months, let it, you know, yeah. ruminate, do its thing. Um, and come then back to come, it with fresh eyes, yeah. Yeah, as if you're reading it again from the reader's perspective. So essentially what this process allows us to do is to do that yeah. whilst also what having staying, that project Staying busy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, it's still moving forward. So when I, so I'm once we've edited these, and you finish yours, but once you've edited these stories, we'll go back to our original stories with fresh eyes, but they would also have been like the ball had been punted further up the field already mm. yeah it's yeah. interesting i think that we i think this is actually quite a good way to work and i don't think anyone else does it like this no no i think i mean a lot of um like the beats packages and sort of the planning stuff i think we take a lot from sterling and stone yeah but actually you know running parallel stories as as we're going through i think that's I know we'll we'll see how it plays out when they're finally published. I mean, I personally have never felt more confident in a story as I currently do with They Remain, and whether that's I don't know, sort of just wishful thinking as it is at the minute. But I'm yeah. I'm happy with what we've got so far. Um, so for me, the process is working. Five months on, and we're kind of I think by the looks of it, these books will be look uh, will potentially be published around February March time. Yeah. And then um, that'll give us a bit of time to start on the second books. I think I was, I was going to ask, um, I'd be interested to try it the other way in the sense of one of us write the the first draft and the, and the second person maybe has like a two week delay before they start editing the first draft. Or do you think that's oh, so not... just kind of like playing catch up? Yeah, maybe it'd be, be quicker, but I mean, I don't know how that would work because sometimes when you write a draft, you like to go over loop back around and fix mm. bits so maybe not i don't know it could be worth looking at it's always worth trying stuff um because that could be a good way to do it but like you say you've always got potentially bits where well for example if you got to if you were going first and you got to a bit where you were having a bit of trouble and you got stuck mm. I'd, I'd kind of have to play catch up to get to where you were at before you kind of went off again i think yeah it might complicate the flow a little bit mm. But yeah, so so we did the first drafts. We got into a point where we we're like, I can't look at this book anymore. <laughs> I'm so sick of this. I want to write yeah. anything else but this. Which is I want to write obituaries. Yeah, so it was a perfect time to swap. Um, and then do our oh yeah, we did a quick read through. So we read through each of his first drafts, made some mm. notes. We're like, this could change. This yeah. could change. This this is cool. And then we. Got on the uh, the blower, <laughs> and that's what we British people call a phone. Yes, quite. And then we were like, "This is good. This is good. I'm going to change this. What do you think to this?" And then we just sort of had discussions about the stories. Yeah, yeah. I'd say um, just circling back a little bit to the reading part. One of my tips for anyone looking to reread their work, I I find it so helpful to export it and to read it on Kindles or mm. on e-readers, which is significantly different to... I I personally feel that if I read my own work on an e-reader, I yeah. prefer it because I'm used to reading on an e-reader, and so my head is in a certain way that it expects 
It's not in writing inside, mode. Sorry. Yeah, it's not in yeah. writing mode. You're in reading mode. Whereas if you, you know, are reading it on your landscape screen, mm. it's very, very different, and your head's kind of yeah more in writing and editing mode than it is appreciation mode. You know, in um in illustration and drawing, one of the things that they get you to do um they get you to draw a picture, but they turn the picture upside down. So let's say it's a person, um th- because if you're drawing a face, you you draw what you think a face should look like rather than drawing what you see. So to, to force yourself to actually work from what you are looking at and not from what you not separating it with that other image in your mind of what it what it is. You you flip the picture around upside down, and then you you lose all reference of what should be there, and you're just looking solely at the thing for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I could see that working. Yeah, so I think this like, if anything, I'd like to print off the book and read it on paper with a, with a red pen, but I, I don't really do that. I normally export it to iBooks and read it on the on the tube um, or the the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, the wheel tube the wheel tube the upstairs tube and that just like getting in a different i know some people like to change the font on the screen they like to change the font size or or uh anything like that it seems to just work yeah 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 it's definitely um i had a point and now it's gone oh no that's it when um when it actually comes around to the book being in a state where it feels like it's ready to go and it's sort of all lined up on create space for a proof there's definitely something i want to do is actually just read through it as a as a book uh, yeah yeah to um see if it feels how i think it feels yeah like papery <laughs> yeah <laughs> papery and hmm. smelling a bit Does like wood feel like a book yeah okay yeah i'll order yeah. it <laughs> approve yeah <laughs> i think um i mean personally i'm massively anal when it comes to formatting any type so no matter if anyone ever sends me anything to read or whatever, I will automatically format it to a particular way first before I can read it because that's just how my my head is wired. Um, yeah. That's good. Yes. I, I'm not like that, so it's good to have you there to do that kind of stuff. I just like things to be pretty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then so we had our, our chat on the blower. And um, again, one of the things about writing with someone else is having a level of trust and a level of understanding. So um, I think a lot of people, the idea of working with someone is an attractive idea, but it's difficult to find people that you ordinarily would click with or would kind mm. of understand how you work as a writer. Cause I know that for a lot of people writing and it's fully understandable writing is it's precious. It's personal. A lot of people have their idea of things they want to write yeah. and having someone else's fingers in your jam might spoil the taste a bit. Yeah. But um, I, I think we mentioned previously as well, I, I never originally looked to co-write with anyone, but the kind of opportunity presented itself. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think I think most writers, when you start out, you don't think, oh, I want to I wanna be a co-author. <laughs> like, it's not something you, you always think, I want to be the author. And like, it's like when you start making films, everyone wants to be the director because you want to be, you want to have your vision perfectly out there. But then... I think as 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 I've gotten older and had written more stuff, I think and made more stuff, I think I've kind of lost that ego a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, I know there will be times, there will be stories when I can do exactly what I want to do and, and use the turn of phrases that I want to do, but it doesn't have to be now. And I'm I'm I'm, more, I'm enjoying this process probably a little bit more than I would writing on my own. Um, 
because it's got new challenges, different. It's it's interesting, and it's mm. it's more like playing in a band than up there on the stage on your own, like singing in front of everyone. Yeah, although you and don't mind that. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> pictures. <laughs> you don't mind that at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's also. I mean, there are sort of countless benefits. I'm sure there are also um, a few flaws. Although to be honest, I can't really see too many flaws. I think the only real sacrifice is, and it's not really a sacrifice, is that it you know the book does share your name whereas again a lot of people would want just their name on something um and the other downside i suppose is explaining to other people what we're doing and how it works yeah Uh, but the benefits it kind of goes you know miles and miles as you're going along you've got uh someone that's almost like uh is your critic in both the good and the bad way so you kind of pick up on the bits that aren't quite working and you can develop them and work together for that yeah. Uh, at the same time, like there are massive sections that you've written in, they remain where I'm just like, this is awesome. I fucking love this, mm. and vice versa. So it gives you that little bit of an ego boost as well as you're going through. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we said from from the off, and I think helps, is that we were very clear with what we kind of saw this process being in just it being open. Yeah. As long as it serves the book there isn't an ego in it we'll just do whatever it takes to make the book the best it can be between us yeah i think that's we sort of made that like verbal contract didn't we that like it's not really about us it's about making the book as good as it can be and like that sort of takes any ego out of the process anyway Mm. um i always feel like when i'm reading for the book i'm always thinking how can I make this better. I'm not ever thinking, how can I make it more me? Yeah. Like, and I think if, if that ever sort of does come into my mind, I'm, it, it leaves pretty quickly. I'm, I'm not, I'm not bothered about it being my work of art, my magnum opus. There'll be time for that. I'll do that when I'm like 60 or something. Mm. Yeah. Especially because we are writing what we're aiming to be quite commercial, something that we'll proud of something that, you know, yeah. walls decide and everything that will make some money. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, on several occasions, I think initially in the first handover, that was a bit of a scary thing. Um, yeah. Just because, especially in giving the feedback to the other person, you almost, you almost inclined on saying all the nice stuff and not saying the things that you didn't actually think quite worked. But again, at the start of that conversation, we just said, look, open, open up, say what you think and yeah. we'll go from there. That, that's something you get better at as you go along as well. Um, I think it helps the fact that we were like we knew each other's writing styles quite well, and so because we've we've done a lot of the other stories together, so uh, not written them together, but I've read a lot of your short stories and you've read a lot of mine. Um, we sort of understand what each other's writing styles are like, and I think I would tell people to at least co-author one book because I've learned just as much in this process than I did when I wrote my first novel. Like, there's that you see things in your own style that are like really weak. <laughs> and when you see like someone else doing something better and you're like, Oh, that's why, do, why am I not doing it like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, it's good. It's a good learning process. Yeah. It rounds you up a bit more. It just makes you a bit more, like you say, aware of what you're writing and how it's written. Yeah. It makes you aware of what you're doing good or bad. Like mm. it just makes you more aware of it. Yeah. So where are we now? Like you finished your second draft. Mm-hmm. So I finished, um, yeah, the second draft of They Remain a couple of days ago. Um, you're coming up to your finish now. It 
will be probably this week. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Friday, yeah. Um, and then we're going to swap. And Another then, read-through? Never read-through. And at this point, there shouldn't be any like major changes, right? So at this point, we're hoping that maybe like some changes here and there, but nothing. We won't go, oh, my God, that, that entire arc needs to change. We, we, <laughs> we, we hope. <laughs> yeah, we hope, yeah. We've, I'm pretty sure we've ironed through that just through the discussions we've had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's the hope that everything will be smoothly. And I think, ideally, in a perfect world, uh, we'd have one more look through the books each, then maybe send it off to some beta readers and a proofreader, and then get it ready to publish. Yeah, and then launching the books is an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, there's, there's so many ways you can do it. There's so many options should you like do you go exclusive with um kindle should you go wide um do you launch the book free for the first few days there's there's so many things to choose from here um and the fact that we've got two books means we've got we can play a little bit more yeah but... yeah we can sort of experiment and see what works the best i guess yeah maybe the next time we do this sort of show this episode we'll do the launch like what we did and and why and how it went yeah, that'll work. Um, also, I just saw Tim Grahl, you know, from your favorite podcast, The Story Grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just launched a new podcast called Book Launch, and it's all about like how to launch a new book. Oh, awesome. So he must have finished it then. Well, he was doing he was launching books as a marketer before he wrote books. Okay. So he, he, I think he did like traditional publishing launches and, and also like a lot of indies as well, uh, like Hugh Howie, I think he worked with. But uh, he um, he knew how to do that, and then he's now learning how to write a book. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting to um, have a listen to and and see if they've got any hints and tips. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit nervous because, like, you know, the, you spent so long doing an idea, you want it to sort of <laughs> get out there a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think my underlying attitude to it all and i think in in a kind of vain uh, egotistical way is one of the things that will help us keep going um is that at the end of the day if it doesn't make any money we're no worse off than we are now yeah 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 and but- you know the process itself has been enjoyable it's been educational it's been fun it's it would be nice to make some money though <laughs> it would be awesome to make some money yeah yeah but um, yeah, we'll see. And you know, we've got plans. Twenty seventeen will be, um, I think, a very very productive year if we kind of plan it and play our cards right. But yeah, yeah, we'll do. Um, we're doing a roundup show, aren't we? At oh some yeah, point. Uh, for the next week, I bet. Yeah, we're doing like what we learned in two thousand seventeen. On my old podcast, I did it for two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, it must be yeah two thousand fifteen, and it went down pretty well. It's like the most downloaded episode. So we'll we'll try and recreate some of that magic. Beautiful. Did we want to do five questions at each other or? <laughs> uh, let's do three questions each. Um, okay. Quick fire round. Uh, Daniel, what's your favorite type of cheese? Uh, cheddar. Mozzarella. <laughs> are we, are we are taking you, are you asking, Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, I would say... Uh, Gorgonzola, just because I like the name. Okay. Penguins or Walrai? 
wall right. Is it, like, I don't, what's the plural of walrus? Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. What did you think it was? I thought it was like some sort of wall decorating material. Some like rice, <laughs> I don't know, some sort of fabric put on there. Um, penguins. Can't beat penguins. Walrus. Uh, did you know that the plural of octopus is not octopi, even though people say that all the time? And even, I thought it was. And even if you Google it, it will say octopi. So it's, it should be octopode. That was the original pluralization. I prefer that. Octopode. And I still say it. People say, no, you're wrong. But I read it in a book years ago. <laughs> I'm also trying to get the plural of house as heist to catch on because heist. it literally makes no sense. Houses. Yeah. Heist. Look at all those heists. You sound a little bit Irish, I think, when you do that. Look at all those heists. Um, Scottish or Irish? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Scottish. I think I go very Irish myself. Uh, mainly because of Conor McGregor. It can't be a bit of Conor McGregor. Who's your spirit writer? I think we've already done this one. Have we done this one? Yeah. Who's was... your spirit animal? Oh, it's difficult. Half dog, half cat. Cat dog. <laughs> what about you? Platypus. Really? Platypode. Plat- <laughs> Platypie. Uh, another question, I guess. Um, do you use credit cards or are you against credit? <laughs> I I I have a credit card and I'm against credit cards. What is the long card number on your credit card? Uh, four seven five one two six three nine eight four nine two eight one three zero. That sounds like it could be right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> four seven five one. I'm sure that's the start of most credit cards, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. potentially. Um, digital or analog time? I can't tell analog time. <laughs> I can, but it takes me a while. I just never did it as a kid, so I always have to look at it. And... <laughs> you know how I was, like I did not do time as a kid. No, I just had a digital like watch, like for my oh, first watch. Yeah, and I just and it's probably not done me well because like I just like it takes me like a couple of seconds to look up and like oh okay it's that time. But like <laughs> it's like cat doesn't know her left and right. She has to do that. I I can't ever understand yeah. that whole. I'm, I'm trying to teach um just so Bailey people know we're, we're holding right. you hold your, your finger and your thumb up and then the one that spells the l is your left hand uh but it's just those things you just don't if you don't learn them as a kid you just sort of go on through your life and like some people can't swim and i think that's like how can you not swim? like you just sort of get in the water and, and move wave your arms yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it does most of it for you yeah <laughs> yeah one uh, one last question, then then we'll finish up the show. Uh, where do we send people to this week? Uh, Hawkingcleaver dot com, where we are currently ent- well giving away five free signed copies of the brand new The Other Stories print edition, and you can also vote on the next theme for The Other Stories between monsters and space. Yeah, help us get our podcast bigger because The Other Stories deserves a bigger audience. It's got a pretty big audience, but I'm greedy now and I want more. Yeah. <laughs> Forever yeah. more. Come on. It it's needs more enough. people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories? Oh. And did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, 
a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.